latest episode of the Keeping It Local podcast brought to you by Pile Style Events. I'm Dennis Junk. With me, as always, is the woman herself, Alicia Pyle. Hey there. And today we're interviewing Derek Reeves. Derek is the principal violist for the Fort Wayne Philharmonic. He's an educator. He's in, I don't even know how many bands. You can tell us about that. He <laughs> plays with Alicia a lot. I play with Alicia a lot. There are four or five bands in the, at any given time. APQ, AP, I never know really to whether to count APQ and APQ Harmonic as two separate bands. I kind you of just... Should. You have to arrange all the music for the, for the latter. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> he is our staff arranger, not just for the APQ Harmonic, but who else do you arrange for? Well, I arrange for the Voices of Unity. That's right. People don't know you as an arranger, but that's it's, really It's true. You know, I was actually thinking uh, recently, I was actually inspired by you guys uh, that I was actually, should actually start, like, you know, create a, a, a website for my arranging business. Wait, wait, wait. I did see something, and this is a total sidebar, but maybe we can come back to this, but I did see the Accidental Journalist interview. Oh, yeah. That was cool. That, that was YouTube. totally cool. Yeah, did you see that? Yeah. That was with, uh, with Myron McKinley, uh, the music director of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. So that's another thing you can talk about that he does. <laughs> well, we know you can do anything, but we just want to cover your favorite stuff today. Yeah, well, um, and mine. <laughs> uh, Kelsey Cote, I've been playing with Kelsey Cote a bit. Love them. They're amazing. Shout out to Kelsey Cote. Mimi Burns. Mimi Burns, yeah. Right, there's yeah. some really, really cool stuff happening uh, with Mimi Burns, so definitely stay tuned to that. I don't know all of what that entails, but I know it's going to be fabulous. Shout out to Mimi Burns. Um, Mimi's cool. We love Mimi. Yeah, we do. We do. And Steve. Uh, and Steve, of course. <laughs> of course. I was going to ask you what you're most excited about, but then you might you feel like you're scanting some of the... Right now, to, to be 100% uh, with you, I'm excited about the new flooring that I just put down in, in our master bedroom. <laughs> I think that's part of why I'm so tired. This has been the D, uh, DIY summer for me. I, I've, I, I built a table. I... I, I um, Worked right, with concrete for the first time. I made a concrete planner for my wife. I um, can't say I've done that. I've I've, uh, I, I've been working with like iron pipes, doing like modern furniture. I did flooring. I, I put in a whole uh, like laminate flooring in our master. Is this bedroom, all per so. Patricia's request, or is this is all this on stuff your own? that I've been wanting to do too? Okay, you know, Patricia is Derek's and, fantastic wife. For those of you that don't know, I was gonna yes. Say, you know how us like non musicians always kind of have this fantasy about doing something music related. Oh, I wish I could play a guitar or something like musicians fantasize about building furniture out of iron well exactly exactly reorganizing the sock drawer i'm just kidding right i mean I, I i figure you know as musicians we do stuff with our hands right and and that's basically what making stuff is about so you know once i got over the initial fear of you know cutting off a finger with a circular saw i'm still afraid of yeah, or, or, yeah and uh and 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 realized that you know protective eye eyewear is actually there for a reason i'd actually started to have fun I, I started to you know repurpose my garage and and it's 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 been great it's been a wonderful journey you pulled preston into these projects i too, try I, I try but he's he's very uh you know he, he's got a like like a, a short window where you can grab him and like, yeah, dad, can I help? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, come help. And then he'll, you know, he'll be into it for like three minutes. And he's like, okay, I'm gone. And he's off to do <laughs> that something was nice. else. Gotta yeah. go. So, you know, I, I have to work on, you know, 
keeping him focused on helping for maybe longer periods of time. That's okay. He's probably just in the corner reading like a tale of two cities or something. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. His reading was just crazy. Kid. Yeah. I feel like I did some more arranging, but um, I'm so tired right now. I can't remember it. When you step away from music for a while to do these projects, do you come back with like a new perspective or something? That's a really interesting question. My question or sidebar to that is, do you ever get far enough away from music to miss it? And how does it change that perspective? Well, it's, it's funny, Alicia. I, you know, I, it, it's kind of like you go into different orbits. It's like I'm always sort of in some thinking of musical and music in some sort of context. It, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's from the perspective of, uh, of a classical musician or a jazz musician or an educator. You know, so I'm either thinking about how I can be more effective as uh, you know the violist of the Fryman Quartet. You know, how you know sound production or fingering or whatever, or using you know, I, I, I've been studying a lot this this summer about, uh, you know, different types of scales, different types of, you know, things to use, tools to use in, in improv, you know, um, studying resources that guitarists might use. I'm trying to become more proficient in, in, in my modes and know my pentatonic scales better. The, but then I start thinking about, well, how can I use this information to in, enlighten, enlighten, and edify the students that I work with. Because I'm always thinking not just about how, how I, can, I can be more effective, but how can I can impart that to other people. I, I do a lot of teaching on a one-on-one basis, but more and more in, in classes, you know. And That's a completely different it's thing, It's a completely too. different yeah. thing. It's a completely different thing. You were talking earlier about the, the plastic violins, the, uh, the the PVC violins that... Um, the new project, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was that born so, from Club O? Or tell it, us about it, how it was that sort of. Uh, sort of facilitated uh it, it was born out of a, a of necessity i guess you could say the necess- necessity was the mother of that invention <laughs> so to speak because uh yeah, we to get these kids to practice there well to <laughs> practice but also you know we had like 108 kids that were starting from scratch and violins ain't cheap no and they're kind of they're fragile. they're and they're fragile <laughs> Where was as this that well you got kids? so the club o program is a, it's a partnership between the fort wayne community schools and the fort wayne philharmonic for the last uh, 9 or 10 years prior to that it had been a partnership between the philharmonic and the boys and girls club okay. which is where the club moniker comes from the uh, the our foundation which funds the program wanted us to try to reach a wider audience to cast a wider net, so to speak. So it's actually in three schools, Forest Park, Wayndale, and South Wayne. So we brought on two additional instructors. And so between the three schools, we had 108 kids. In some pedagogical methods, the, uh, a, a first step is having some sort of training violin. What I wanted to do was to have some sort of training instrument, uh, training violin, where that that gave the student a sense of proper bowing technique. And so I um, fashioned this device out of plastic. PVC. Don't give away all my secrets. <laughs> But uh, so so yeah 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 they're, they're PVC and 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 it kind of caught on and so now I'm in, working with the firm out in Tennessee to sort of engineer the, the tooling to make an, an injection an injection molded one secured funding for the IP and that sort of thing so the 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 idea is to bring it to market because I think that this is something that students will benefit from but teachers will benefit from for sure because I can't sure, tell you yeah. how many hours I've spent trying to correct faulty Boeing patterns. And so what a bonus it would be if the student develops good habits from the beginning. Because yeah. isn't that what practice is all about? 
the establishment and the reinforcement, subsequent reinforcement of good habits. But it takes so long for some people to develop good habits, you know, and a lot of that has to do with teaching. But also it's just, you know, the ergonomics, you know, I mean, the violin is not, it's not a logical instrument to play. It, you know, it, it's not a natural movement to play. So the trick, I guess, is to make an unnatural movement seem natural in some way. And so, you know, you're an educator, you play jazz, you play classical music. He plays any kind of music. How did all of this get started and how hard is it to kind of toggle between the different it's, types of music? It's the most natural thing in the world, you know, I mean, for, for me. I, I, it, you know, music is, is it, it's a lens through which I, you know, see, see the world, relate to the world, relate to people. It's, you know, it's like the old, old cliche that it's a universal language. And, and so I think that musical styles are, are tantamount to different dialects. I love that you say that. It's so true. Mm -hmm. It's fun, though, because you're, you're so skilled in the individual dialects. That's not something very many musicians can say, and very quality musicians, too. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, phenomenal violinists that play classical music or, or even jazz, they don't play the other genres the degree that you do. And I'm not trying to give you a big head, but I just think it's amazing how good you are at each dialect. Well, thank you. Right back at you. I, I, I certainly um, have, have a great deal of admiration and respect for your skills as well. And it, I wonder why more classical musicians don't improvise. Maybe they like to sleep. <laughs> it's like once you do both, you uh, sleeps, phone doesn't sl stop ringing. Sleep's overrated. No, uh, I, I think I think that may be part of it. But I think another part of it, I think it all goes back to pedagogy, yeah. how we're taught. I remember it being something of an epiphany when I realized that there was a relationship between chords and scales and that this relationship, you know, that each note of the scale has a different tension relative to the root of the chord. Each note of the chord has a certain type of energy, and there's this constant interplay between tension and release, both in the aural sense, but in the physical sense. And so musicians practice scales, right? So I, I think part of it I wonder, rather, if part of it might have to do with the intention with which we practice scales. On the one hand, we might practice scales to learn the instrument, but think about practicing scales the same way we learn the alphabet. You know, what if we teach students scales and that chord scale relationship from the outset? The same way that teaching correct bowing pattern. Why don't we teach this is, you know, the first idea of scale degrees, root, third, fifth, you know, seventh, and then you can alter tones, you know, and then you can use them in improv, in improv you know, try playing, uh, improvising using just this note. Now these notes form the, this is the root and this is the fifth of the chord, you know, this is the third and that sort of thing. And just incorporate, I don't see why we can't incorporate theory and the sort of tools of improvisation, you know, in the student's education. Good point. I'm understanding what you're saying. It sounds like what you're talking about is almost like a intuitive foundation that they could build something up from sure. as opposed to like taking it piecemeal like this is one thing you need to learn this is another thing right. you need to learn right and like it's all just a, a hodgepodge yeah saying, like here's the foundation if you understand at a, like at the physics level like how this works then precisely all the rest of it will but follow. that would entail the pedagogues having to understand it and i think that's where the divide happens <laughs> don't you mm, yeah some yeah. of my favorite classical teachers did not have any jazz background and i'm not it doesn't matter it's just the facts of the matter so i had to go get that elsewhere i don't know where you got yours where like how did how you got into jazz 
was who taught you that, but well, you know, my my dad was a jazz my dad was a jazz musician. Okay, oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so I would, uh, and he was a a military officer as well. He was in the army, but he actually paid his way through college playing jazz gigs on the saxophone. That's cool. Yeah, he played. uh, He's from North Carolina. It was North from North Carolina. Rocky Mount was part of this house band on what they called the Chitlin Circuit. Back in those days, <laughs> yeah. where all the uh, the black artists came through on their tours, so he played with like you know James Brown, wow. Ike and Tina Turner, the wow. Four Tops, yeah. the Temptations, Otis Redding. You know, a lot of times before they hit before <laughs> they hit the big time, he was entirely self taught and he had a great ear. He didn't. Uh, he, he probably could have read music if if he had placed a high high priority on it. But you know, there are there is a school of thought. Where that some people that play by ear feel like you lose your your soul, you feel you you lose your what's spontaneity. The, spontaneity, you know, if you if you if you read music, and then I, to an extent, I get that. Is it like um, Mike Patterson was talking about? You play what you feel. Yeah, yeah, jazz. yeah. <laughs> that came from Streeter and Mike, and mm-hmm. I think it originated from one of the Marsalis brothers. Mm-hmm. The joke. <laughs> it's jazz. Just play what you feel. If, it was probably uh, probably Branford. Yes, that's actually who it was. Probably so Branford. Yeah, because because Winton is is would very much be the. Uh, I, I forget who was telling me this anecdote about the the, the Marsalis brothers. This came from Ellis, the father of uh, the patriarch of the Marsalis clan, and and he was saying Winton is famous because of his work ethic. Branford is famous because of his talent. He played with Sting. That's all I gotta say. I'm, I'm, I'm on Team Branford. So he's famous because he played with Sting. <laughs> famous to me. I didn't know who he was until I heard him on Englishman in New York. That's so funny. A lot of people probably didn't know who Branford was before. So did your dad Amazing. introduce you to the jazz scene, the violin? My first jazz gigs were with my dad and when I was in college. And uh, and I, I got my first electric violin when I was that was my sophomore year. And then you had like six girlfriends two weeks later, right? <laughs> I'm totally kidding. No comment. He's like, that predates the <laughs> that was second grade, man. Oh my goodness. Completely lost my train of thought. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got my uh, electrified. So, okay, so David Baker. As a matter of fact, I have one of his books right here in my backpack. Renowned pedagogue David Baker was on the faculty at, IP, at, at IPFW, at IU. And so he had this jazz improv class. Modern concepts in jazz improvisation. He established an amazing jazz school. Absolutely. School that, the, the Mar- speaking of the Marsalis, they came through there as well. Uh, and, and a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of your probably favorite jazz artists came through there. So when did you start classical? Well, I started classical. I started playing violin when I was two and a half years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's uh, that's something that I've always done. So you began as a classical I began, yeah, sort of being tr- classically trained, as they say. Uh, I bet your mom loved it. Are you the only, because I know there's several, you have several siblings. Are you the only sibling or the only child that played an instrument? I have two older brothers, and we all played instruments growing up. Okay. So my, my parents definitely wanted us all to, to have music in our lives, but I'm the only one that, that went into music professionally. My oldest brother, Kevin, uh, went to West Point. And then he got an MBA from Wharton. And then uh, my middle brother, Keith, went to the Air Force Academy. And he made it all the way to full colonel in the Air Force. Yeah, elite family. <laughs> and uh, actually, he's uh, retiring from the Air Force uh, this summer. And uh, he's uh, going to be flying commercially. 
Or neat. Yeah. He's always loved to fly. You know, that's always been his passion. Whereas my, my passion was always music. Keith's passion was always flying. What about Kevin? What's Kevin's thing? Money. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> the thing that ties it all together. <laughs> Don't post this on your Facebook. That's cute. Brother, no, never look at no, Kevin, stuff. Kevin, Kevin was the brother that always was good at everything. Like, like he would always beat everybody at Monopoly. He would always um, use <laughs> everything money related. Anything money related. <laughs> but he always had more saved up in his savings than you guys, and you're little than me. Yeah, yes. He's dry. He had a Porsche. Like uh, it's his first year of uh, college, you know, I had like a Porsche <laughs> 944. That's cool. I'd like. I mean, I like seeing you guys. You know, your your mom stuff on your on social media and mm-hmm. her involvement in your family things. It just seems like she has a lot to be proud of with you. Th- three of you. There are three of us. Okay. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that she's proud. Not I hope that there are three of us. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that a question mark? No. There's a lot of humor if you haven't figured out by now in this podcast that we have. Rehearsals can be really difficult sometimes because it's one joke after another piled on each other, no pun intended. Yeah. Oh, well. um, so I'm kind of curious because since I think high school we took the field trips to the Philharmonic what's it like to play with a giant orchestra it's awesome Dennis it's it's the best job in the world I decided relatively young that that's what I want to do when I first when my first day in youth orchestra rehearsal in in uh, Indianapolis in greater Indianapolis youth youth uh, symphony orchestra rehearsal at uh, campus of Butler University when I first heard that sound and I was in the middle of all that sound I'm home. You know. oh, that's cool. It's a very soul-changing experience. Yeah, it affected me deeply, and, and it, I've, I've loved it ever since. And how does that compare to playing at a place like Club Soda or playing? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to play Embassy Nights here with the, the full orchestra. Right, right. Just tomorrow, actually. Yeah. So, how, how does it? What's the difference? How does it? How do they compare? That's a, that's that's really uh, really. Thank you for asking that question. I would say that the first way that they differ is in terms of the artistic impetus if i can coin a phrase you could say that classical music is a recreative art in the sense that you are bringing to life something that was that's already been written And so the things that you're focusing on are sort of consistency, blend, accuracy, articulation, homogeneity of sound. I was almost going to say it would be like a script, but it's not really because one of the things you're doing is matching. Well, maybe it is a little. You're matching time with the other musicians. Absolutely. You're listening the whole time. Yeah. trying to, I don't know what the technical term for it would be, but Respond. Yeah. Yeah, vibe with or respond to them or respond vibe Mind. listening. I think those are all all <laughs> applicable. Yeah, I think that's a very apt analogy. Whereas with APQ harmonic or you know APQ or or a jazz ensemble, it's more, it's you could say it's creative rather than recreative because you know I, I I can't speak for anybody else but myself. But you don't have any. I don't have any preconceived notions as to what I'm going to play from one moment to the next. You know, I don't necessarily plan anything. Rather, I try to allow myself to respond to what's happening in that moment as much as possible. I like seeing the depth of your personality come out in Mimi Burns' band, anyone's bands. Like when you're when someone hands you the, the card to be creative, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, I thought you were talking about how he wore a kilt. There you go, that too, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, like even whether I watch him playing with, you know, Steve, you know, maybe Steve's Tyler, 
and or else playing, you know, responding to somebody in one of our groups, it's you go somewhere sometimes. It's different every time, you know, right. how we interpret the arrangements too. But you take things places, and all of a sudden it's like eight levels louder than it was a minute ago, mm-hmm. or you know, you're in a whole new solo section, or it's really fun just to see that exploration. And you know, I can tell when you're having fun. Wow, well, thank you. Thanks it's fun for... to see that, but I also love watching you play with the symphony too mm-hmm. because I have utmost respect for that. It's a completely different skill set and. Uh, talent and it's fun but we like to steal you whenever we can and i know the other bands would say the same well it's it's one of those it's like love you know the more you give the more you have is that a beatles line i was just trying to think what that was (laughs) (laughs) what song is that from it's been a long time if you, I the feel like that's true if you, you pick the right band. <laughs> or if you pick the I right partner. I didn't saying. I don't. I don't. I yowl. <laughs> screeching cat. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I um, you hit the wrong chord on the violin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to become more, more comfortable with my voice. That's your first instrument. You're born with it. That's what they say. That's what I'm learning. That's what they say. I fight and scream and kick and scream about yeah. it, but yeah. tell us about, um, I want to know, I haven't had kids yet, what does it feel like to have a kid, you know, and have him studying music? I know you teach, you educate, which I, that's really dear to my heart too. I love educating and mm-hmm. they're not your kids, but they feel like your musical offspring and, you know. Mm-hmm. But what does it feel like to have an actual child or to make music with your spouse? Like, what is it like with your family making music with them? Because you're doing a lot more of that, I noticed lately. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You I guys mean, are like a thing. <laughs> we, we, had a, we had a trio Reeves performance. Trio. We had a Reeves family trio performance in Detroit a few weeks ago. It, it, was, it was a wonderful thing. Preston is is really, uh, and I'm not saying this just because he's my son, but he's 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 very well. He's very talented. Um, he's brilliant too. He's he's brilliant. He's brilliant. <laughs> but you know, he he's got that sort of nonchalance about it. Where um, and and, and I can't help but think that he got part of it from me. I was going to say, I wonder where he got it. Whereas, you know, because I'm, because nowadays, like, I, I can be very intense about something, you know, like I can go in a room and, and you know, be there focused on, you know, one thing. But I, I think, I think it, it took me a, a, a while to develop that sort of focus. And so I look at him now and, you know, he'll, you know, be like, yeah, go practice your scales. And he'll be like, go run through the scale two times. Like, okay, I practiced my scales. Like, no, you didn't practice your scales. You need to practice an hour of scales a day like I did. It sounds like when he's working on the, the home improvement project. Yeah, exactly. He's got about three minutes to speak. Yeah, 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 precisely. <laughs> I was impressed, I have to say. I know this is really small, but, you know, we both educate and deal with younger children all the time. At our gig, you had brought him along to a wedding reception or something we played at the Empyrean Fort Wayne downtown. Mm-hmm. Long event, four hours. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see an iPad. I didn't see a phone. Mm-hmm. Saw a book in his hand the whole time. Yeah. And uh, so obviously he likes to read. I'm he sure. loves to read. He but at the end read. of the gig, he comes up and, you know, we had played some beautiful cocktail music for a, a couple that had just gotten married. And he's like, You guys sounded really good today. Oh. And I was, I, first of all, it was, was he 12, 11? 13? He's 11 now, yeah. He's 11. I keep yeah. thinking he was being like 14. I don't know why. I'm sorry. But I'm sitting there thinking, what, was... you know, what adolescent boy actually goes somewhere and listens to someone playing jazz and actually comes up and compliments them? And mm. I felt very special. <laughs> well, you are special. <laughs> no, but it was really cool that he came and listened and was present, you know, was yeah. reading his book, but, you know, wasn't, you know, right. face into a phone for four hours. Yeah. Like, you would be. I still remember that. 
through the West Central thing where he was doing origami the whole time we were <laughs> He's there. He's a fascinating kid. I still have the penguin on my That's phone. That's amazing. He'll, he'll be so happy. He'll be so happy <laughs> to hear that. that. But I was thinking the same thing. It was just look at around, look around at all these young kids and they're mm-hmm. all on their phones. Or they're, right. Or they're playing Angry Birds or something. And, and your yeah. wife's this a flautist. Like, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, Trisha is, is an amazing musician. And, you know, he's been going to concerts. Yeah, I mean, she he she played concerts the entire time that she was pregnant with him. And so um, she remembers playing, for, for example, Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony with the Richmond Symphony. And he was, you know, he, he definitely seemed like he was uh, enjoying it uh, in, 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 in utero. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So he loves Tchaikovsky now. But, um, you know, but ever since he was, he was, was a baby, because sometimes you just, you know, you bring your kid that can't get a sitter or don't want to get a sitter or whatever. So he's always been around. You know, he sits through rehearsals. He sits through concerts. Sometimes he'll sit through the rehearsal, a cycle of rehearsals and the concert. Wow. You know, and he's always very attentive, very well behaved. So, so, so he's definitely grown up in, in the sort of concert going environment. So he, he knows, you know, he knows the etiquette. He knows how to, how to conduct himself. Making music with your family, to go back to that question. I mean, mm-hmm. your family's amazing. But what is that like? It's great. It's great. I, I got to do some arranging for the family trio and you know he's uh he's actually a very accomplished pianist as well he plays piano and uh and and bass and so so i really look forward to doing much more of that it's amazing as a musician but also as a father to see how he's developed just as a person but as a musician and to see how things that that he's good at you know are are some of the things that either you know in some cases you know he's good at things that I'm good at but in some cases you know he excels in in places where I'm not as strong takes after Patricia and things Mm -hmm. yeah that's yeah yeah so it's 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 a really fascinating process to experience we're coming up on time here who are some of the people you're listening to now or who are some of your I don't know if you consider mentors or wow wow I've been listening to I I I I, I keep I keep a lot of uh Thing. I keep a lot of uh, snarky puppy in my uh, in my, my playlist. I've been listening to I've been listening to some heavy music. You know, I've been listening to like some uh, Floor, Torch, Electric Wizard once in a while. Are these like Patterson's infusions? Oh uh, you no, know, Patterson's. Is Patterson's in the, in, always in giving you stuff. Yeah, yeah. Patterson's talking about Michael Patterson, the professor. So you, the, the, you yes. can go back and check out the episode we did with him. Actually, <laughs> shout out to Mike P. I'll have to go back and listen to that too. Oh, it was funny. It was yeah. What am I listening to? Like, Did you have like a big hero when you were? I loved. Classical I, or I, jazz? I yeah okay my so my idols I loved Yasha Heifetz in the violin world. Classical. I was loved Jimmy so Yasha Heifetz, Jimi Hendrix, John Coltrane, the Bad Brains, punk rock, uh, Rastafarian punk rock band. Those are my my top probably my top four. Did you leave out Dave Matthews? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was late to the Dave Matthews party. <laughs> I never um, made it. And, and <laughs> you know, I like a lot. I like a lot of stuff. You know, I love Boyd. I always tend to kind of shy away from groups that were, you know, hugely popular. You know, I was I was a bit of a, you know, I I did you know kind of the punk rock thing in college. So like, I mean, I'm in high school when the Red Hot Chili Peppers, for example, were underground. Oh yeah. Not a whole lot of people knew about them. I you know, I was into I you know went to see them in concert. That was part of the aesthetic for a lot of those nights. Exactly. Shows. And, the, and they the, wanted to be underground, but then when they when they got big, they didn't know what to do with themselves. Exactly. Like Kurt Cobain kills himself. Precisely. <laughs> He's got the T-shirt that says "Corporate Magazine Suck" on the cover of Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 
totally. Where do you see yourself in five years? What are you hoping for musically? I'm going to be doing a lot more of what I'm currently doing, but I think my brand is going to be much more sort of out there, you know, so I'll have... Bravo my, to that. My, my trainers are going to be all over the world. I'll have students basically all over the world. Your trainer, so you have a, an education system that's all your own. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that before we, we sign off. Here. So, so my, my training method of uh, my pedagogical method is based on physiology, but also natural so it's what you were musical principles. Earlier, yeah, it's an extension. Precisely, it's it's an extrapolation of, of what we were talking about earlier. I, I think a lot of what we tend to teach, a lot of what people tend to perpetuate in terms of what they teach is not questioned, you know, and I'm always questioning what I'm taught and, and what I'm teaching. And so if I, if I find that it's flawed or incomplete, then, then, I'm, then I'm looking for a better way. I'm going to recommend a book called Interference by Richard Merrick that is um, basically it's a, it's a sort of a theory of everything as far as music is concerned, you know. And so he talks about how harmonic resonance of uh, tri you know, tri the tritone function is echoed by the you know, planets in orbit and how it all kind of comes down to like phi ratios and, you know, Fibonacci sequences and that sort of thing. And, and it made me realize just how universal truly universal this stuff is you know I mean this is the same things that make music beautiful are the same things that make flowers beautiful that make or, or the same laws that govern har harmony are the same laws that govern the division of cells you know Alicia and I had a conversation about that in one of our earlier dates because Esperanza Spalding was on a episode of Nova and I'm a big PBS fan okay so I just heard her talking about the different ratios Mm. But she's playing the right. the upright bass. Yeah. And, uh, it's all math. You know, it is. The Pythagoras. And right. She started telling me about Pythagoras, working out the math behind it. Yeah. And it's like yeah, yeah. the Fibonacci numbers. Like right. somehow you see it reflected in a bunch of different realms. That well, the Greeks doing. taught it. Was it Quadrivium Trivium? Mm -hmm. Did you ever hear about that? Of course. It's like music, physics, math. Those are the the more important of the four mm -hmm. versus the trivium. I mean, they, they teach all the areas. Yes. But I thought it was funny what was grouped in the quadrivium. I'm like, I get it now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I forget what the fourth. What's the fourth? Music, physics, math, and was it chemistry? Was it chemistry? I can't remember right now. But they were all math related in the quadrivium. The trivium was like rhetoric, literature, and philosophy. <laughs> Poetry. I don't remember. Um, but it was all the quadrivium was all math based. Mm -hmm. and I was like, it just makes sense now. The Greeks knew that. So if we've lost it since then, then that's a shame. That's <laughs> yeah. cool that your pedagogical method is. So yeah, I think we need to, we need to bring it back. Bring it back. Interference. Interference. Okay. So did we leave anything out that we, we really need to talk about? Is there um, I anything think we, awesome you're doing or some experience you've had that people wouldn't be surprised by? Or? Besides the flooring and the concrete <laughs> there? <laughs> Are you going to make your wrist exercise thing out of iron? Yeah, it'll, it'll be the new uh, shake weight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the shake weight bow trainer. Yes. Now that. <laughs> we'll wait to publish this podcast until you get my right. patent going. <laughs> yeah, I want anybody to steal my idea. Um, we can write the music to go with it. It'll be like the Zumba dance with the shakers. Awesome. So yeah, this what's has been fun? Just tell us like what's one thing playing for the Philharmonic or playing jazz musicians that would surprise people like they or that they just you think most people have a misunderstanding misconception of. Leave the conductor out. <laughs> <laughs> most uh, uh, a misperception that most people have about classical musicians. Or yeah, about, what it's like. What what. 
what the experience is like. That it, it is a full time job. <laughs> they think that it is. Uh, no, a lot of people. Most people think, think it's it a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people think so. So what's so what? What do you do though? And what's your? What's <laughs> is this not full time? Is it? It's like no, it's a full time job. <laughs> really, full time job, but where the salary is at, we have to work other things as well. Yeah, it's a full time. The, the things we're always repeating on this podcast is it's a lot of work, but it's not a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Derek. If you are on the blog at the Pile Style Events website, you can just scroll down and fill out the subscription form there and you never miss an episode. We'll deliver it right to your inbox. If you're on iTunes, leave us a review or just hit subscribe. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks, Derek. Thank you. Thank you.